The good people effect is something very special that happens when we surround ourselves with the right people to help us grow. The show is based on three main pillars, which are creativity, adventure, and purposeful living. My intention is to create positive momentum in the direction of real human growth. And I believe by taking a glimpse into the lives and minds of good people through deep conversations, we have the opportunity to open ourselves up to immense growth that can be later injected back into this crazy world. This is more than just another podcast. It's an energy of intentional growth that's been manifested from the beauty of the creative spirit, the call for adventure, and the power of purposeful living. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast. First of all, I just wanted to throw out my deep gratitude for you listening to the show and investing in yourself to grow consciously with me by surrounding ourselves with these awesome humans and just having a glimpse into their lives and minds and getting a taste of really what makes them tick and learning from their past experiences, stories, and lessons. I mean, that's what it's all about. This is nutritious content to feed your mind, and I'm happy that you're here with me, and I'm thankful that you are as well, and I feel really connected to you, so cheers for that. So today's guest is Raman Nazar. He's the founder of Rainbow Brain Skull, which is his little pirate ship floating through this existence. He puts out amazing creations, including artwork with these just crazily profound messages, really deep, profound messages within his artwork, which actually caught my attention and made me want to get him on the show. He's also done some stand-up comedy. He's also written some books, and he's just got a lot going on. He's got cartoons out there as well. He's a really cool guy with some really interesting messages about life, and I can't wait to share this episode with you. So before we get into it, please consider subscribing to the show if you're enjoying this stuff. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Let's get into it. So now this is being recorded. We've got this. And then on three, we're going to clap. Are you ready? We're clapping on three or you say three and then we clap? Uh, on the three. On three. Okay. Okay. Oh, actually, weird. Normally we do it the other way. I'm pretty nervous yeah, about let's this do it on the Wait, are we counting down or <laughs> counting up? Counting up and we clap on the, on the four, but I'll count to three. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's do it. Here we go. One, two, three. That was pretty good. Man, there's a delay though. You reckon? Hmm. How bad is it? Uh it was it was like a second. Nah, I'll be alright. But you can you can match it up. It'll be okay. It'll right? be fine, yeah. Uh so usually when I get guests on the show that I've never spoken to before, usually have like a bit of a warm up chat and we just talk about silly things like the weather and I don't know, just ridiculous things just so that person feels more comfortable, but I don't really think that's needed with this one, especially because I sent you a bit of a questionnaire a little while ago, and one of the questions was like, have you got a story about this, 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 and this? And if you do, let me know a trigger word, a secret trigger word, and I'll bring that up, and then we can have that conversation. But I think what your response was a very unique one. You actually said, let's just see what happens, and (laughs) I think I'm going to remove that question from the questionnaire, actually, because you had a very good point. Do people do people reply often to it? Yeah, people like write essays in that section or some people just write, I don't know, random words and I get curious about what they're talking about so I end up bringing it up. But I understand it in a late night talk show context, which especially in the 70s through the 90s, you can maybe even today they still do it, but you can totally tell that the comedian or actor or whoever has a has a bit queued up and it's like, oh, so I hear you travel a lot. You ever you ever been somewhere in Asia before? And then they have some exact story about Asia with the punches in it. And 
uh, I don't know with this, I want it to be, since it's a longer form, I always like podcasts to be more authentic. It turns me off when, when people come in and they have their agenda and they're talking about these plant medicines or meditation or like maybe, maybe it wasn't, maybe meditation isn't the thing that's going to help that that time in that moment but i don't know not that those things are bad or anything but yeah presence yeah. uh being being here how you're feeling now if i had said a story i was excited about while i re- replied to that form and then it comes time to tell it on here i'm like oh man i already told that story two other times on two other podcasts and i don't really feel like telling it so then you just get this half-assed regurgitated uh, version of it yeah now you get me in my in my true form whatever that is yeah well that's what i want i'm after that true form i think there's also (laughs) something to be said about having like developing your conversational skills through podcasting and being able to have chats and working on yourself as well as working on your kind of your listening skills and uh you know the way you can kind of drive or flow with a conversation naturally rather than having kind of everything planned out but i guess it was kind of like i thought in my head when i was writing it i think it was something like just in case the guest is like super boring or we're just we get to a point where like we're just it's like dead silent and awkward as at least i'll have something to go to um but i feel like it's it's part of that development that you should be able to find other ways out of those situations yeah, and we can see with all other podcasters that the evolution is clear. You can go and listen to an early Joe Rogan podcast or whoever and see that they've had a clear uh, you know, line of improving and maybe not interrupting as much or coming up with better questions, but getting angry less, little things like that. It's kind of fun to watch people evolve. Yeah, 100%. And is there something nice about looking back on your earlier work and looking at how shit you were and having a laugh with your mates? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you have to get there. It's so easy to hate yourself and look at it and just cringe. But to be able to laugh at past you is a, is a huge thing. Yeah. And of course, your friends are going to do that too. Man, I want to. I wish I could say mates too. It just that sounds wrong. Why? Because because um, of the accent. Yeah, it just doesn't say. Oh yeah, me and my mates were hanging out. Like you already know, it's like the spy cover is is gone afterwards. I can say, oh yeah, my friends, my buddies, my these fucking idiots. What do you, what like do you guys that, say? But... That's weird. That's the one. Buddies. I feel like buddies sounds weird because when I was at school, we had a buddy program. Fuck, I just thought of a really <laughs> funny story. We had a buddy program, and these guys were like top of the food chain. We got in there as the kind of the little fish that switch ponds, um, and you know. They were like looking after us, taking us around the school and just kind of being that person we could rely on because they knew everything. And they were just like stuck with this like 13 year old that they had to hang out with for the week. <laughs> and they were called, they, we were called their buddies. There was like a buddy program. So every time Americans say buddies, I think back to that and it just feels a bit weird. There's like a hierarchy to it. Like the person you're talking to is lesser than you. They're younger. You're forced to hang out with them. Exactly. That kind of vibe. Exactly. Oh man, that's funny. I love hearing the different uh, um, discrepancies in languages and or it's not languages. It's it's the same language but just different terms based on geography. And it happens in the in the states. People change every what like hundred miles or seven hundred miles. Like you get a completely different accent, completely different terms it it might as well be another language yeah well i find it hard to communicate like with my partner sometimes she's from chile and it's like she's speaking a different language because i'm saying one thing to her and she's hearing something else and it's all because of that just that cultural difference and the meanings in what we say yeah it's it's fascinating uh, when you identify that 
but has she, has she caught on more as time goes on? Yeah, and I've, I'm like using their terminology now in certain things because they've got like a different dialect of Spanish than the rest of kind of South America and Spain. And she's starting to say like really Aussie things like she'll say mates pretty well and uh, she'll be like, <laughs> she'll be just talking a bit like me. But I think that's a normal thing that happens as well when you hang around with someone long enough. You, you kind of catch yourself uh, maybe using a phrase that wasn't originally yours. Yeah. Can I ask you something unrelated that people won't uh, know because this is audio only? But I've noticed that your your hands are your arms are up like this, and I'm, hanging I'm not like telling a you to stop doing that. Like but yeah, do you have do you have a thing that you're hanging from? Because that's a brilliant idea to have a thing where you can hang instead of just slouch down. Like to have your your arms hanging up as you're oh, doing computer stuff. Yeah, it's not. It, actually, I didn't even think of that. It's I'm in a yurt, which is like a Mongolian tent in the middle of uh, Vancouver Island. And it's like, it's got these bars. I could probably see behind me. And I put a doona up by the way, because the neighbor was mowing the lawn and I thought it would dampen <laughs> the sound. But yeah, it's like a Mongolian yurt with this circle thing in the middle where the smoke can go out. And there's these beams that run from the middle out to the sides. And I'm just kind of grabbing onto the beams uh, just for comfort. But I think it is, it would be like a pretty cool thing to do while you're working, but you would, it'd be a struggle to type though. Yeah. But most of the time, we're just kind of goofing off and staring at some video exactly. or something. You can have your left hand there. But I thought that was really cool. Do you live in a yurt? I, at the moment, I'm living in a yurt. It's been a couple of months, and I'll be here for about another six weeks. Uh, and I'm doing like a workaway experience where I'm kind of uh, managing a bed and breakfast uh, during the mornings and in the evenings. And I can kind of stay here, and, and food's provided, and this yurt is provided as well. So it's been really fun just being in nature kind of immersed for this the last couple of months it's just it's an amazing place have you been before uh vancouver vancouver island yeah is that different than the city of vancouver yeah it's a little bit different i think it's pretty close but it's just there's just like a lot of nature and i just think seems... i have mm. uh but but i i went when i was very young and you know you go with your parents you don't really know where stuff is i'm pretty geographically weak in terms of remembering where the all the places are, but I used to live in Canada. I lived in uh, Edmonton, Alberta. I also lived in uh, Sarnia, Ontario. So um, yeah, we would go to wherever Vancouver, Calgary, Saskatchewan, all those all those places we would hit up. But as far as whether I was on the island or not, hmm, I don't know. Do you have any recommendations on what to do in around the Calgary area? Because I'm heading there next, and I'm meeting some friends. I, I met in Costa Rica and we're catching up for the first time since we met. And I love doing that. I love kind of meeting up with mates in person, you know, sometime between when you last saw them just in a new country or in a different place. Yeah, that is fun. Uh, recommendations not past the year of 1995. And my only recommendation is like, I don't know, go, uh, go skiing at the place that I went skiing at. I don't have any recommendations. That's a, I don't that's remember a shit it very recommendation, well. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's... Go skiing with my family in 1995. <laughs> Why'd you move? Why'd you move away from Canada? From Canada? Yeah. Oh, my, my dad switched uh, jobs to, or got a promotion that involved moving to uh, Lake Jackson, Texas. And so we uprooted, moved to Lake Jackson, Texas. I ended up going to school there at the University of Texas in Austin, stuck around Austin for a little bit, or not a little bit, actually a long time, and then moved to Los Angeles, California in uh, five years ago, five to six years ago. And and what was the reason for LA? Like, why is everyone in LA? What's happening over there? 
Oh, narcissism, uh, trying to get the, the next big thing. You realize that you become a, a big fish in a small pond and your, your needs are met. You get fat, uh, not necessarily physically fat, but you know what I mean. You're, uh, you're not as challenged as you were before. And so it was mainly as a, as a challenge to uh, further pursue my career in the, in the arts as opposed to just doing it as a, as a side thing. So is that is that kind of like your strategy um, to not let that kind of take over you, just kind of move around a little bit more? I'd like it to be. I can't say that I, I do it every day, but I let's take uh, stand-up comedy. So I started stand-up comedy in uh, Austin, and that first plunge that you take to go to the open mic and actually sign up and actually go, you know, eat your balls for five minutes and really get nothing. It, it's a really painful thing to do while it's happening the time afterwards and uh, oftentimes people develop that courage to do that first open mic or whatever thing it is and then they get comfortable and then they never face that level of challenge again really they're they're not uh taking that to the next level so yeah you do have to face that discomfort what you're afraid of uh challenge yourself possibly fail but fail where you're still in the game i mean uh, with extreme sports or something, I understand it's a different issue. You can often fail, and uh, that's it. You're you're out forever. But I like to take risks that don't involve uh, losing the whole everything. Yeah, and and have you found that to be like a something you can train over time, recognizing that fear and 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 knowing that through that wisdom that it's one of those moments where you just need to go forward. Yeah, I think it is a muscle. I think the more you do it, the the easier it gets. It never gets easy, but I think it's the reason why so many uh, motivational books that emphasize like, you know, making your bed first day and first thing in the morning, cleaning your room, taking that cold shower. You could make the argument of uh, the cold shower is, you know, cold shock proteins and ancient evolutionary reward system. But the, the other side to that is the facing that that thing you really don't want you to do. It sucks. It sucks so bad to to go and face that cold shower and just focus on your breathing and just every every part of your body says no to it. But then when you're done with it, then you're it's easy to fill out your DMV forms, to write that person back, to make that phone call, to go to the gym because you faced that first difficult thing. Isn't there an old uh, the Mark Twain or whoever quote of, you know, eat three frogs in the morning and then everything else is easy? Yeah, you kind of uh, eat that shit sandwich and then for the rest of the day, everything else tastes like strawberries. <laughs> yep. Easier said than done, though. There's days I just suck. I don't do uh, anything well. I don't reply to anyone. I didn't make anything. I I didn't make money. I didn't eat well. I didn't uh, exercise. I the, the content I was looking at on the internet goofing off to probably wasn't the most nutritious content where it would learn and stuff. Maybe not. Maybe it's all osmosis and there's the inhale, exhale thing going on and you do need some off days. You can't just be Kevin Hart every day and Gary Vaynerchuk every day and whoever these these top, top, top performers that are all about every single day and become the, I don't know, you might not have that level of it in you. You might need to have those days sometimes. That's I, what I tell myself. Yeah, but I feel I, like- I wish I was like that. It's it's hard because we tell ourselves that sometimes, but then we, we're trying to also filter that that advice to ourselves and make sure that we're not just allowing ourselves to go down a road that we don't want to go down. But at the same time, I think you lose something if you're all the time hustling, if you're all the time kind of on, 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 
and you can't develop other parts of you. And there's something also to be said about not allowing yourself to get attached to kind of, you know, a time frame. sometimes. Like sometimes I find myself like stressed out. I have fear. I have all these kind of things going on inside me that aren't going to help me out. And they come from me just not being able to realize that I don't really have to do anything in a certain amount of time. All these kind of things are just things that I put upon myself in my own mind. Yeah. And the, um, the meditation teachers often like to focus on, I mean, I'm thinking specifically of, he's not a meditation teacher, but, uh, that, uh, side guru talks about how 99% of your life, you're, it's doing it right. There's an intelligence in your body that's doing what your kidney needs to do, what your liver needs to do, what your stomach needs to do. Your heart is beating on its own. Like all this yeah. internal intelligence is just handling itself. And then we have the activity in the prefrontal cortex or whatever that has the narrative of we suck and we're not good enough and, and that kind of thing. And we're, we're spending all this time working on that, but we're, we're killing it just by, just by not killing yourself. And I mean, you and I, that we can even have this conversation using this technology speaks to our, you know, privilege of, of living in a world where we have the freedom of speech and the technology and the time to do this at, what is it, Tuesday at, at 1 p.m.? Who has time to do that? People have to go to their job and work retail all day and maybe do this at night if they have enough uh, time and the kids are put to bed and that kind of thing. Like, so uh, super, super lucky to even be. But we we do have to uh, still deal with deal with those demons in our in our heads. Have you seen that new uh, Dave Chappelle uh, Netflix special? And he opens up with the fact that Anthony Bourdain had the best life in the whole world, was eating the best food with the coolest people, millions of dollars, famous, loved, and still hung himself. And we, the point of it was just we don't know what's what's going on inside uh, someone. I haven't actually seen that one, but I'll definitely check it out. And it does, yeah, it does kind of, uh, I don't know, it makes you think about things because sometimes we have these kind of heroes or people that seem like they're just, you know, living the best lives ever. And that's kind of us focusing outwards instead of inwards. So you talked about Dave Chappelle and um, I wanted to know, I feel like I've, I've heard a couple of your podcasts and just a couple of chats that you've had with other people. It's kind of part of the reason I wanted to get you onto the show. And I want to know, like, you seem like, I'm not saying this to kind of blow up your bubble or whatever it is, but I, you seem pretty sharp and pretty quick. And I feel like some of that probably has to do with uh, comedy, probably has to do with, I've heard you speak about psychedelics before, uh, maybe your upbringing, um, who fucking knows. But I wanted to know, uh, is there any kind of practice that you have where you, um, you, you use that practice to develop your intellect further? Uh, I think it's a combination of things. I mean, following my natural interests uh, leads me to uh, be able to regurgitate certain things about certain topics in an intelligent way just through sheer osmosis of watching that stuff and reading that stuff. Um, the, the general, uh, stuff that we all know and don't do like the, the morning ritual, the, uh, doing the yoga, doing the meditation, doing the actual like cardio physical exercise, having relationships that are good, doing, doing creative work, writing your, your feelings, having that raw, rough, uh, output that exhale. So if you don't exhale, whatever shit you're going through as whatever it is, uh, as as dark as you want to go or as frivolous as you want to go in the in the writings and uh exhaling and 
um, if you're the type of person that wants to share it, then find a way to to share it and not just keep it all bottled within. And I recognize that there are some people, I think, that don't care about attention and uh, followers and fans and have people telling them that they're good. I don't understand that mindset. I am of the mindset of I need the I need the world to tell me I'm good and I need to be sharing the things and uh, putting it out there. That's the um, I don't know, that might just be a personality thing. But yeah, get it, getting that all out. And uh, hmm, yeah, don't be so hard on yourself. It's, uh, you know, the most important conversation you have is the one you have with yourself. And we have these huge dialogues with ourselves all day that we don't share with the world because it's a lot of uh, repetitive negative stuff or it's nonsensical or we we don't really pay attention to it but there is a narrative going on in each of our heads all day about how we're not good enough or what we need to be doing and that that kind of thing and so wrestling with that should be made a priority and recognizing that you cannot kill it and it's gone but you can get better at just always uh, wrestling with it and uh, getting a, a one-up on it it's weird to put it in metaphors. It's like always has to be some kind of violent thing. It's like to defeat it, we're going to crush cancer and we're going to kill the negative mindset, but whatever helps you out. Or you can let it go. That's a good one too. Letting things go is a good a good exercise for people that are lazy and don't want to do stuff because it's like, oh, you got to do stuff. That sucks. But, oh, just let it go. Oh, man, I don't have to do anything. I just let it let it go. I let it leave. Have, uh, you, have you won any battles recently against the beast? Um, they're all mini battles, whether it's, uh, am I going to look at porn and beat off the first hour of the day, or am I going to write to these emails and take care of these bills and do that kind of thing? Am I going to go to the gym today, or am I going to wait an extra 20 minutes, because then I know that it'll be too late, and then I'll close, and then I won't feel guilty about not having gone. The little, the little things that we do to avoid the things that suck, whether it's physical or emotional, financial, like we're avoiding the shit that sucks. And we know that we could be at the, the highest levels of performers or highest level of happiness if we uh, like it's with there's a new diet book every year or hundreds of thousands of diet books every year. There's new money books, hundred hundred thousand money books every year. But we know it's it all comes down to diet and exercise. Same with money. It's that diet exercise, uh, saving things, investing in the right consistent thing over time. Uh, it really does boil down to those fundamental repetitive habits day after day. The the sun goes up goes down moon comes it's it's kind of teaching us that every day is is almost uh not to get religious with it but you know every day is judgment day this is it this is the this is the day you got to do it don't don't do it tomorrow or when you're when you're feeling better that the athlete has to always play hurt it's not oh I'll, I'll play in the game when my shoulder feels better or when my knee's better those top performers are always aching somewhere or have some kind of thing going on so it's about the the showing up every day and doing the best you can to uh to defeat that that other force that's trying to bring you down inside the not, maybe not as far as telling you to kill yourself but not not telling you to kill yourself there's plenty of people that have that voice in there it's like you know you should just kill yourself but then there's another voice in there that comes in after that it's like well what happens after you die like it might not be the end after you die it's like you might get yourself into a worse situation than you wanted you're making the people on earth uh do worse you're increasing the entropy of the larger 
consciousness system. You're not helping the larger cosmos evolve by hurting yourself. But if you help yourself and others, you're helping the whole whole thing evolve. And that's the that's the thing. It all comes down to that inner conflict that we're trying to do every day. Yeah. So I feel like there's a there's a potent lesson within that last part of that 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 you mentioned about kind of making sure that you're I don't know, heard this phrase somewhere. I don't really know who I'm getting this from, but it's kind of like your cups overflowing. And then I've heard all this kind of stuff, but very recently I had a couple of experiences that that really grounded them for me and made me feel them throughout my whole being, just like understand things a lot better. And one of the most potent lessons was that, you know, once you're good, once your cup is overflowing, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, then the people around you are going to get a sip of that and they're going to be that's going to push them further and that it's just going to kind of keep it's like it's contagious kind of thing um but if if you're at a, in a shitty kind of place and you're trying to help other people out directly um sometimes that's not always the best way like an indirect kind of uh, path works better how do you fight the battle of creating versus consuming creating versus consuming yeah i try not to think of it in terms of where you know, if you're reading instead of putting out stuff, then it's uh, then you're doing something bad. I think that there there's that balance. If you're over consuming and not creating enough, then that's a problem. So it's about kind of keeping yourself in check, actually auditing your time, maybe not getting OCD with it and writing everything you did that day, but just get a get a feel for it. Like how much time did I really spend today? Uh, you know, just randomly clicking on the recommended videos on YouTube and skipping out of them. And um, there was this comic, uh, Andrew Schultz, I think, was talking about how uh, that he couldn't get a Netflix special and a lot of the specials coming out aren't getting the engagement that's projected. And he discovered that by uploading five to ten minute clips, people would tune in to him for two, three hours because they were making a choice of... Uh, oh yeah, I'll watch this next five minute clip. Oh, I'll watch this one. I'll watch this one. And you're buying the lie like with mini muffins or mini donuts or something. It's like, yeah, it's just one little one. And then you're, you, you justify it through the, the little bit adds up and, um, yeah, just keeping yourself in check about how much time you, you wasted that, that day. I think someone else was, how many people can I quote today that I also just these I'm quoting people that I just saw on YouTube while I'm telling people to not waste so much time on YouTube <laughs> and create yet I'm like I'm communicating the value of these things uh the the controversial uh Canadian psychologist uh, Jordan Peterson had that uh line where he asks people like well so how much time in a day do you waste and people will say like you know, six, seven hours. And that's them saying it. I'm not saying that they're wasting time. That's by their definition. So by your definition, you're wasting six or seven hours a day. So what are you doing? And uh, I like that he points out that when you're you're asked how much time you're wasting, like people know, like you kind of know, like, yeah, I waste on average like six hours a day. It's like, well, what you're the one defining what is productive and what is wasteful. Why are you, why are you doing that? Even though you know that you're doing it. So we're we're so good at tricking ourselves, but good thing is since we're the good trickers, you can trick trick yourself into untricking yourself. What was the question? Creativity versus I think it was uh, creating versus, versus consumption. Yeah, creating versus, versus consumption. Consuming. Yeah, exactly. You should you should create if you have something to say, and uh, that's that does mean there's not things like writer's block and and things like that, and 
you know, Steve Pressfield talks about it in The War of Art about how the the hard thing isn't writing, it's sitting down to write, like actually getting yourself into that position or practicing guitar. It's like actually picking the thing up, holding it in your hand and playing that one first note. That's hard. But once you're there, then it's easy to stay there because then it's like, no, I don't feel like getting up now. It takes more energy to get up than it would be to stay here. So I guess it comes down to changing states is what's difficult and changing states involves facing that fear. So if you internally are feeling like, oh, I'm not creating enough, then you you know the answer. You know that the balance is offset in the consumption. And then you need to force yourself, whatever thing you're trying to do, write the book or be a ballet dancer or or be a, a, a cactus decorator or some shit. You need to sit down and decorate that that cactus and move towards it. Yeah. And I feel like the reward is that you that feeling after you're done or after you've done you're done for the day at least of just feeling like you've had a day that's been productive and it's just like a super good feeling. And then when you go off and kind of chill or relax in whatever way you choose to do so, it feels good. It's not just like because sometimes you can you can be watching Netflix or you can be, you know, eating that slice of pizza and it just it just doesn't taste as good. But then at other times it's like the best one you've ever had. I was listening to uh, someone talk. It might have been uh, Jocko Willink or David Goggins or one of these guys that's a Navy SEAL podcast uh, YouTube uh, personality recently about how the people in uh, Navy SEAL training and they are, are you familiar with the really grueling hell week they have to go through where it's the, a full week of just you're cold, you don't get to sleep, they're berating you physically and emotionally and just it's designed to make you quit no matter what, it's to see your breaking point. And at any point in that week of hell of of training during the uh, Navy SEAL training, there's a bell in the middle of the, the area where you can put your helmet down and ring the bell and they'll come get you. It's over. You get a warm shower. They take you home. You get a good meal, all that. So at any point you can quit and it's right there. And there's reports of maybe not everyone, but a lot of people that end up ringing that bell after they do it, they're like, oh, fuck. And that ride to the warm shower is like the worst worst feeling because they have this going on in their head like, oh, if I just stuck around a little longer, I would have I would have made it. But now I, I, I crapped out. And what is a what is a warm shower and the grander things like I'll just be done with that. And I'll just be back to my old, old self again, down low, just aging, getting worse every year. And um, yeah, so just hold on to the fact that, you know, it will be done when comes comes often with physical stuff. I feel like we're we're afraid to exert ourselves physically a lot. It's it's more pain associated. I sincerely hope that you're getting something special out of this conversation. I'm just quickly breaking things up to mention the tribe. The tribe is a handful of people that are going to get their growth, their conscious growth journey really accelerated through nutritious content that I'll be sending out once a month. So I, I just feel like a lot of the stuff out there in the self-improvement personal development space is really lacking. And I feel like I can really help people grow in a conscious manner and provide them with content that will really help them on that journey. So I think this podcast is pretty much just a base for your self-improvement diet and that you should be looking at other resources so that you can grow in a really, I don't know, in a, in a way that's authentic. So I'm going to be putting together recommended reading lists, also other podcasts that you can listen to that will really push you at, push you further on this journey and just help surround you with more good people 
so that you can you know really flourish and share that with the people around you. I'm also going to be putting together giveaways, contests, free online courses, and free eBooks. So consider going to goodpeopleeffect.com. It'll only take you a couple of seconds to jump on there, throw in your email address, and once I get to 100 subscribers, I'm going to start this whole, I'm going to kickstart this tribe and we'll see how that goes. So consider joining up uh, while it's early days. And yeah, that's about it. Let's get back to the chat. When you, when you do kind of crack, it's, it's kind of okay as well because you can kind of use that as motivation, that shit feeling, that walk to the shower room. That could kind of be like, okay, well, now like, okay, so I'm fucking things up for a week or I'm, I'm just being chilling too much or whatever. Now I'm just going to have to put a bit extra effort to make it back to, to get that scale back in balance, which I think is like sometimes a pretty hard thing to do. And it's always harder, like you said, uh, when you mentioned re- the, the force of resistance from Stephen Pressfield, it's like harder just to begin. And then once you kind of just get started, if you can get yourself to that point by preparing the night before or whatever tasks you need to do to make it easier for your other self, which we also discussed earlier, then just do it. Sometimes I feel like there is another side of me though. There's someone else inside and they've already kind of like put the lunch together. They've packed up the box. They've put me a couple of like pieces of cutlery and a nice bottle of water. And then I totally forgot about it. And then I'm walking through the kitchen and everything's kind of already set up. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like sometimes you feel like there is some kind of other consciousness within your body that's like not your normal sense of self. Do you ever get that feeling? Oh, yeah. I was just listening to an episode of uh, Future Fossils with, I forget the guy's name. It's some hypnotist neuroscience guy. But he was basically saying that the general consensus now is that we have, I think, 28 selves within us. And this is not multiple personality disorder people. We're made of like kind of an amalgam of of 12 different personalities of, of, of different brain and a different uh, upbringing and I mean, that's not even if you want to get into astrological stuff, like leave leave anything esoteric aside. That's like the the actual neuroscience people saying like, yeah, we contain this multitude of, of personas and uh, there's some we, we show people, some we don't show, some we don't even know are in us until something triggers us and like, oh man, I didn't even know I was, I had that anger in me till that guy cut me off or till that person said this to me and uh, yeah. Luckily, there's good ones too. The the one that sets up the lunchbox and everything for you. We've got that one. We want to get that guy promoted. Uh, make yeah. sure that they know that they're doing a good job at the company and it's not just all going to go to waste. It's, uh, but who knows if someone is... I don't know if there is any... People say that Eckhart Tolle is, is like that and he actually lives that truth of constant present, but I don't know if he if he hits his toe on a on the leg of a table if he doesn't just scream out, ah, fucking ass shit or something and like lose it for a moment. Like maybe, maybe he is balanced and maybe there are those, those awakened beings in caves. But I think for the most part, we're all here in this earth school, learning this lesson of wrestling with the, the multitudes within this one thing and dealing with the, the dichotomy or trichotomy or octogamy of, of selves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, random question. Uh, I know you wrote a book called like uh, After You Die or something like that. Yeah. What happens after you die? What do you reckon? Because this book's got like heaps of different theories, right? And different, uh, it's like, it's a combination of your creative art uh, with kind of people's theories on what happens after death. What do you think happens after you die? 
So um, I'm leaning towards the final answer, which is paradox. The ones before that are oblivion, which is pure nothingness, which the, you know, super materialist, atheist, or even agnostic people would say, well, of course it's nothing. You just become word food, worm food. Um, you know, our minds or our bodies in action. That is simply all we are. If we were find a way to to line up atoms and electricity in that other form, that would also be a consciousness or whatever. Um, but then th that never added up to me because you can't be aware of not being awareness. Awareness is it's the the feedback loop of infinity dividing itself to reflect back on itself. So there always is some form of awareness, not necessarily having your prefrontal cortex and occipital lobe and, and cerebellum and all the other hypothalamus, whatever brain things working together. I'm not saying that that gets retained, but some some awareness is fundamental. Uh, then, of course, you've got the heaven, hell, reincarnation, become a ghost. It's all a simulation or you resonate your last feeling. Those are all just kind of models that I liked to entertain there. But the last one, I believe, because uh, you know, it's a paradox. They're all true. They're all not true, depending on which way you're looking at it. And as these three-dimensional beings that are moving along the the time dimension, the fourth dimension, if it is the fourth dimension of time, as as we are these limited three-dimensional creatures, we don't deal with with paradox very well. We tend to think that no, it has to be one or another. Which one is it? It has to be this one equals true this one equals not true, or flip it up on its head, and while you're standing in the not true, the other one uh, is true. I think that all things can be, that that the, the model of existence is not that somethingness came out of nothingness. I think that the, the model of existence is absolute infinity, and there was uh, now illusions of boundaries in order to uh, grow and evolve and create uh, friction through individuated units of consciousness. Mm. That's an interesting <laughs> answer. So you, have you got a page drawn out for that? Do I have a page drawn out for that answer? Yeah. It's, yeah, it just says paradox on it. Let's see if I have it hanging up somewhere here. Um, I wrote it. I should remember, but it's been a while. No, I can't really find it at the moment, but uh, yeah, I say all the versions I listed before are true. All the versions are not true. You are already dead right now. You're already alive forever. Now is the only uh, thing that exists, and the real now is not like this sliver of present moment that we think is going on because, I mean, by the time the light that I'm, the photons bouncing off of me and going into this camera, and getting, even if I was standing right in front of you, by the time anything gets into your sense organs it's already the past like that thing already happened and the refresh rate is a is a certain amount and your processing speed is a certain amount so we're only kind of ever experiencing the past even if it is a very very close path but the the imagination that internal you know quality the felt presence of immediate experience as terence mckenna would call it is uh the fundamental thing that we have kind of pushed aside and think that no it's just kind of outside and we're we're just nothingness and you work and you have kids and you know you have a kind of good time maybe and then you then you get old and you die and that's it but um when you really look at the the mathematics behind it i have a mathematician friend that was saying that uh given infinite time before this moment and infinite time after this moment 
the odds of us being here in this moment right now are not close to zero. It's it's actually mathematically zero. It's actually impossible right now to be in this moment. So that kind of gives you a give you a hint at what what things we might be missing. Yeah, um, you you just mentioned Terence McKenna, and, and I know um, as an introduction to your your chat at Whitmer, you were just the guy that said. I'm uh I'm someone that just listens to uh, Terence McKenna and Adam uh, Alan Watts on YouTube, and I thought that was <laughs> yeah, pretty funny yeah. actually. Um, but it's interesting. I I heard one of his talks once, and he was talking about like your imagination. I think this was him. He was talking about your imagination being like the possibility of that being like a reality somewhere else that you're somehow connecting to. And yeah, I felt if like, anything is in the thought space, it must also exist somewhere. Yeah. It's super fascinating. And and you also mentioned, I guess, I can't remember the name of the podcast. I think it was Third Eye Drops. Or actually, can, about, I, can I talk about uh, that a little bit or go ahead? Yeah. So you were talking about uh, not taking everything with a grain of salt. Like you, you hear people like uh, Terrence McKenna and Dennis McKenna and, and um, Alan Watson. I don't even know if you got, you can put them kind of in the same category. I don't even know if there is categories, but anyways, you, you hear things from people online in videos or stories or experiences through podcasts, like things we're actually talking about right now. And you mentioned like, you can't really take it all in and, and just kind of run with everything um, that you hear because, you know, you need to, there needs to be some space for experience. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was something along the lines of this. No, Totally. And as, and there needs to be some you need to leave some space for you to actually experience things and know them yourself, not just kind of go off the stories of other people and because you're only kind of forming your version of what they've said because you can't actually like feel it within you because you haven't gone through it yourself. So, uh, but it's still worth noting like uh, lessons from other people from their stories and their experiences. And I feel like uh, among other things, it can give you like a motivation to. Uh, head in a certain direction or it could open up your eyes or your outlook to a different perception or, um, you, you know, just open you up to being more spontaneous and trying new different things. So uh, I think it can't really be a bad thing, but where do you kind of stand on that? Um, where where do you think it could be a bad thing by, were you saying it could be a bad thing by experiencing it or not experiencing no, it? I mean, like it can't be a bad thing to have all this input, um, but it's just a matter of kind of deciphering it so that you take you, you you take as much as you need and, and nothing more. Yeah, to make sure that you don't just think the game is taking more input and thinking that you don't have to change your behavior because it does come down to having to have a change in behavior. And uh, both Terrence McKenna and Alan Watts were not perfect human beings either. They weren't, you know, Joseph Stalin or anything. But I mean, Alan Watts was a drunk. He, uh, I'm sure he but also was like, no, it's good to be a, a drunk or something. But he was clearly hiding something by not being able to face existence without alcohol. And uh, McKenna like would specifically say like, yeah, my, my life is not my message. My message is my message. Please don't look at my, my life and look at my message. And But uh, then you have people that do, the their life does kind of um, represent their message in a way, like Gandhi. Yeah. And there's, there's – uh, negative things about Gandhi too I'm sure I haven't uh like isn't there I mean at the worst case like oh he used to sleep on piles of naked 13 year old girls and it's like well he wasn't maybe sexually abusing them and it's a different thing if you're living there or something like that but um I mean let's take uh I don't know like Martin Luther King or John Lennon like you see that 
as history unfolds more, these people that we put on a pedestal, like they did have a dark side. They did struggle with the thing. They, they were, uh, you know, kind of dealing with their trauma of their own, like having difficult upbringings, whether, uh, you know, societally or their own, their own doing, but they were struggling with something. And yeah, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, really good people, but perfect, probably not. There has to be that human, uh, thing going on them at some point exactly it's just part of the human condition to kind of have another side of yourself that might not be you know what everyone sees as perfect and um it's it's a totally natural thing can you do you're really good at impressions by the way can you do one oh of, thanks uh, mother Teresa? I've, oh i'm mother Teresa here eat the soup i'm not an asshole but you are an asshole everyone but me is an asshole actually i don't know what mother that sounds Teresa similar like. to the uh that sounds pretty similar to the Jordan Peterson one, actually. <laughs> yeah, I only have I have one impression that I just uh, put a different label on. No, nah, like each it. time it's good um, stuff. So, oh, uh, but I want to I want to re- revisit what we said about the uh, everything that you think of must therefore exist, which sounds like a load of crap because you know you imagine like a hundred thousand you know pink elephants with cowboy hats on that are all doing the Macarena in London. Like that doesn't, that doesn't crazy. exist. Yeah. yeah, but what what we mean by it exists is that there's nothing actually exists. Like when you actually look at the the physics of everything, it comes down to a hollow fractal, uh virtual reality, everything is virtual. Any experiential experiential reality is virtual. There is no such thing as a particle. There's no such thing as a stubborn ball of matter that's a billiard ball or something. There's only the field and there's different concentrations of energy in the field, which are vibrations, which are like frequencies. And a frequency is what? How frequent does the shit do the thing? Like, so the frequency of of this waveform, it's going up, it's going down, it's going up, it's going down across this axis. You speed it up, it's a different frequency. That's what any, any like touchable thing that we think is solid actually boils down to just an energy vibration. So when you're activating that vibration in your head with your imagination, that's the that's the precursor vibration. Now we can bring these into this physical reality through you know focus like the chair didn't exist. Some guy thought of the chair first and then started to kind of move things together, the wheel, the transistor, the the lysergic acid, it all was in in your in your uh in your head in the vibration that you held in some space that has no tangible quality and then we we bring it into to this world so that's what i mean by it it exists it it's all a vibration at some level there is no there is no stubborn existence thing it's only a relative phenomenon to have a have an existence i feel like an easy way to understand things or to think about things just from another angle is to look at things like uh, look at look at us. Sorry, like we're computers in a way. So there's there's input output uh, reading of different frequencies and downloads happening, connections happening, and I don't know that for me. Uh, I've heard a couple of people mention things like that. Uh, it, sorry, in that kind of a way, and it's in really, the way that humans are computers. Yeah, like our, like we're kind of uh, not necessarily like we're computers. But um, just in that kind of a way. So when we talk about computers, we talk about these kind of, um, you know, the ways computers work. And we kind of work in a similar way when you're looking at things um, in this way. 
That's also a historical context thing because, uh, I mean, the brain often gets compared to a computer, but then you look back 100 years ago, like before computers, it's getting compared to like a steam engine or a machine, a, a mechanical sort of thing. And, you know, as as we move into the world of quantum computing, if we ever figure that out, then we have to then, I'm sure new metaphors other than the zeros and ones will, will emerge because there's uh, the quantum system has like uh trinary or something right it's got the zero it's got the one and it's got the the coin spinning whereas heads is zero tails is one and the coin spinning on its edge is the 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 third state and there's probably no limit to to different states we can store things as and then have a a more scaled up um you know interface to work with so if all these things are going on and I don't know, we like to think of ourselves as computers in some way historically, and there's like 28 people within ourselves. How do we actually get to who we really are? How do we get to that that person or that, that, that being, that state of being? You can only get closer to it. I don't think the, the journey ends to where you found yourself or you found your voice or, or anything like that. I think there is a infinite path of evolving forward and there's also an infinite path of devolving it can as a as an entity that experiences reality it can get infinitely worse there is no limit to how how bad an experience can be and there is no limit to how good an experience can be like think of how we're we're this not just 28 personalities we're this amalgam of like six trillion cells which having a, a living cell in a in a universe from from nothing that just makes you know uh it's a dimensionless plenum that has then hydrogen and then the hydrogen starts bonding with stuff and you have complex molecules and then that building up to a living cell that's that's a huge like billions of years process and we're made of trillions of those little living things uh working together plus like the half of us that isn't even ourselves, like it's like other bacteria. It's like we're we're half not even us. It's other bacterial things that are uh, synergistically working with us. And um, that's also, I think, where we're heading as individuals, where we're we're kind of all coming together. This global internet, this uh, feeling the the pain of hurricanes in places we've never heard of, and uh, the injustice in different countries, and not seeing you know, the Chinese or the Russians as, I mean, some people still do, but we don't see the individual, we see the governments as bad, but we don't see individuals as, as uh, evil people, aliens. It's no, there are other humans that were born there. We're seeing that now we're seeing police brutality. We're feeling everyone through this internet. So we are all kind of coming together and uh, being the next octave of, of a being. So it doesn't just end in like one human being. That's the best human the same way it doesn't end with one monolithic cell. The next stage is always like, okay, we've, we've done the best we can as a cell. What's the next step? Oh, well, if we all kind of banded together and shared our resources and uh, still maintained our individual cellness, but we're working together, that's like, that's a better model. And that's, that's what that Sapiens book talks about too. Like why humans made it this far isn't because we have the sharpest teeth or can run the fastest i mean we have the endurance running thing but that's not why we got as high as we did it's because we're we're working in packs in the largest uh numbers so it's that comes down to that cooperation seeing a bigger picture that you are also uh, a part of it's not all about you it's about you plus everybody else
not just everybody else, because then you can get into that trap of, all right, I'll help other people, but I'm not going to feed myself. I suck. I'm a stupid piece of shit. Don't give me anything. I suck. It's like, no, you're good too. Have your cup overfill. Let that overfilling cup go to other people. Let their cups overfill. Um, Then once we got all that, maybe there's other planets that we need to help uh, fill with our our huge, huge world of overflowing cups. Like maybe the next step is cell, then the planet working together as a big happy family. Then we need to get the galaxy to work together as a big happy family. And, uh, you know, that's better than just random bits of information just floating around like like chaos. Like that's kind of what we're trying to avoid. We don't like we don't like uh, chaos and uncertainty. And we like we like growing, evolving, getting bigger, better, nicer, faster, stronger. Yeah, for sure. It makes me think of like, I don't know, just I'm getting really random thoughts at the moment. But another thing I kind of heard somewhere was that the sun has a consciousness. Sure. And and like there's, well, there's a possibility of it. And I feel like when you look at how big it is compared to us, it makes it, it, it seems like wouldn't the sun have a consciousness more likely than these little like bipedal apes that are just not even visible from when you zoom out of the earth and the earth isn't even visible from the sun's perspective. So it would make sense that it has a consciousness, but go ahead. Yeah. I don't know. That was just a random thought, but (laughs) coming back to what you're saying, do you feel like we're moving, uh, you know, we're gaining some momentum in the direction of a more connected planet in, in those terms? It's inevitable. It's already started to happen. The, the dynamics we're witnessing right now are completely uh, just ridiculous if you were to tell someone 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And uh, I think uh, Onyx, Onyx Ashanti was talking about how we're, we're riding this wave of exponential change. And he brought up the fact that, you know, not too long ago, like having a black president was this just impossible thing. Like maybe in a hundred years, like, you know, it sounds like a good idea, whatever. Boom, it happened. Boom, he's been the president for eight years. Boom, that presidency is over. Now reality star president. Boom, that's already in office, been in office for four years. Like out of that stretch of things happening would would have been just crazy to, to people. Forget about having HD video in our pockets, our... Our phones have a better, you know, it has a better processing power than not just the ship that went to the moon, the the command center that did the moon mission. Like we have it all in our pockets now. We can speak to anyone in the world. It's free. We don't have to pay those. Or I mean, you pay your cell phone plan, but not not the long distance charges that it used to be. And it's uh, we didn't we didn't speak. We've we've never met in real life. You and I were. We're broadcasting over this technology, which uh, which has its fundamentals in that quantum entanglement shit that no one really understands, but we like to use and have found ways to have it as a tool. But as far as fundamentally understanding why uh, those states can be entangled, we're not really sure. It is kind of bizarre. Um, and yeah, that it's not slowing down. Moore's Law, the doubling of the amount of transistors you can fit in a chip, the 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 technology thing the we we like to have a conversation or parents and the media like to have a conversation every now and then like what's happening to our kids listening to the radio all day what's happening to them watching tv all day playing video games all day going on the internet all day 
doing Snap Insta stories all day, like, there's conversations about it, but does it ever stop? Uh-uh. It doesn't even come close to stopping. It doesn't even come close to slowing down. It speeds up. And there is, uh, I mean, a, an approach to that singularity, but I don't know what that's going to be like. There there are some sci-fi books that kind of talk about it, but um, when, is, when is the sci-fi book 100% right? It's always kind of, it's missing a few variables. It takes, uh, sci-fi books take variables that are happening now and they extrapolate them into the future, forgetting the new variables that are going to make their appearances. So uh, I do think we are headed to a more more connected, unified uh, existence. There could be loss along the way. There is the climate change thing going on. We may lose a continent or two, but as far as humanity and uh, what we are, I think we are evolving to some some next level thing that I can't really articulate. But we will know in five years and 10 years, it'll be clear that this conversation was, oh man, things were a lot different back in 2019, weren't they? Yeah, things are way different. It's interesting when you look, when you mention the speed of things and just a different kind of uh, things that are going on that are kind of speeding things up, like Trump, like the, even the fire in the Amazon and like um, all these different things, technology and things that are kind of pushing, pushing the, the pedal down, so to speak, and, and just kind of speeding things up and uh, waking people up to certain ideas and, and allowing people to kind of connect in different ways. And I feel like I'm just going to bring this up because I feel like it's just fun to talk about. And um, I recently had my first psychedelic experience. Uh, cool. A couple of, I don't know, like a couple of months ago, I guess. And um, I wanted to know what role, role you thought uh, psychedelics plays in all of this and just kind of like just to bring up the topic into this chat. Well, it's certainly, uh, uh, it dissolves boundaries. It uh, dissolves the ego temporarily. It makes you think in a way that you didn't even know that you could think. The first time I did psilocybin, I remember for the first time, because you go in thinking that you're going to see crazy colors and the wall breeze and that it's more a, you know, kind of 60s cartoon. But what it doesn't prepare you for is the internal epiphanies, whereas the the room in your the in your head right now is kind of like you and a couple other people in a janitor's closet. And when I was in the psilocybin state, it felt like there was just an arena, like it was this big spacious thing where you could have all this room and you could have this concept and you could place it in this seat in the arena and come back to it. You could run around it. You could, it really expanded the, the tool of, of the head and, uh, the tool of the head. What does that even mean? It's hard um, thinking about it as an arena though, because like an arena has got some walls. And for me, it seemed like it was kind of infinity in every direction. Maybe that was just my head putting those walls in because it's like, all right, you're not ready for infinity yet. You need, uh, yeah, you need to get out of the janitor's closet, have these boundaries. Uh, But yeah, it's true. Of course, there's no uh, boundaries to it. It it goes out uh, forever. The the catharsis of it, the the what does that mean? You know, it force uh, forcing you to look back on your your life Mm -hmm. and and resolving that whatever it is, trauma, micro trauma things that happened to you, things that you did. Maybe you were the bad guy in that last relationship. Not 100%, but things are brought to light. You see it from outside yourself. And you're still you, 
but you have a much better view of yourself and all of the the stupid stuff falls away like the the pixels that generate your uh bank statement and social media stuff on the screen it becomes so apparent that this is just a black screen that is flashing rgb pixels at me and that's not reality there's this tree here there's this uh you know my body here i have hands like you you become your awareness completely switches which it's not a good thing to you can't be tripping and actually have a a real life in the at least in the western world you do have to be out of that state and the great thing about it is that if you've never tried this stuff before it's not addictive it's not like alcohol or uh, opiates where you're like craving it more like I need my fix it's I've found with myself and pretty much everyone else I know who's done it they're ready to have their mind back after you've after you've let go of your ego for a while you're ready to come back into your body and be like oh now I know what to do I have purpose now I have um motivation it's quite, quite a strange sensation as well isn't it like that feeling of kind of just um getting back to this version of reality yeah, it really is, especially as you've never stepped out of it your whole, you know, 20 years, 30 years of, of being here. And you kind of just thought that, or maybe you didn't even think anything. It was it was one of those things that's in the category of uh, things you didn't even know you didn't know. There's yeah. the stuff you don't know. And like, yeah, what is the capital of uh, Germany? Oh, I don't know. But I know that there is a capital and I know that there is a Germany. And then you think, what is... The stuff you don't know is, oh man, I wasn't even, it's a whole other dimension. Forget other planet or other nebula or super cluster. It's something outside of that. That That's more speaking to the DMT experience. That one really sets you, steps you out of all all previous paradigms and models you had about reality. It it shows you, well, yeah, you forgot about this one. It's, it's a completely different way of, of looking at things. And in that state, you are you're still exactly you, which is what I find fascinating about it, where when you're drunk or when you're high or something, it changes your your perception. But in the DMT state, you have just been transported and you're in this strange, like alien, if I mean, alien's not even the right word for it, but you're still there, but everything is completely, uh, completely different. And it's, it's like familiar. the purest, the purest sense of you in a way. And that's the thing that I couldn't wrap my, wrap my mind around before going through my first experience was that because I'd read all a lot of a lot of books and I'd prepared in every single way you could imagine. I felt like I had the best preparation actually, and um, had lessons from people as well. And but that was the one thing I couldn't really wrap my mind around. What would I be like? What would my state be? Is it like when I'm drunk? Is it like when you know a little bit high? I'm stumbling around, and it was kind of I guess it was kind of like that. Like your motor functions aren't really working at the in the same way like you mentioned, but. It, but your mind is is on a completely different um, path. It's kind of like you're you're more connected to a truer sense of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you really feel that you really feel that. Of course, this is the cartoon fake reality, and of course that one's the real one because it's at a much higher resolution. We know that cartoons aren't real, and that this is the real world because of the resolution, the the response rate, the feeling, the smell. The there's more. Uh, input. So of course, the one with less input seems less real. And then when you move into a state where the input is much higher then this world that we just exited from that trip feels like, of course, this was the dream. But then we come back down, we forget it fades like the gold dust in your hands like a dream does. And then if you're very materialist oriented, then you start to 
kind of rationalize it and say like, oh, no, it's my subconscious telling me a story about these things. And it created these these beings that are just, you know, inside me. And that's another way to look at it, too. It's all it's all true in its own way. It's just words trying to paint a picture. But um, it's funny how that that was kind of the a common. I, I feel like that's a slight misconception, but it does depend on who you are and how you think about things for sure. But I think you think it's a the, mis a misconception to be uh to to think it's all your subconscious. No, not not necessarily your subconscious. What I meant was more. Maybe I misunderstood you, but it's more like people used to think back in the day that well, still probably probably a lot of people still do, and it was the way I was kind of brought up that you take some psychedelics and you go and you're in this kind of whacked out state of you know like you said before everything's a cartoon, and then that's it it's it's kind of lowers down or lessens the experience because um i guess people that haven't been through are the ones that are saying this yeah yeah they say you're hallucinating but we don't actually have a have a category for what hallucination is same with uh same with his hypnosis i just learned recently there is no actual brain state called hypnosis it's a blanket term we use and it turns out we're we're all in a bunch of different trance states at all time there's no such thing as being out of a out of a trance state. So in, in a way, you could say that the psychedelics bring you out of that trance and, and show you a, a more full picture. Yeah. And even what you were saying before about them not being addictive, they kind of have the opposite uh, property of actually maybe helping you, you know, get off sugar or, you know, stop smoking or do th- like cut your bad habits out, which is a really strange thing to consider. Yeah, MAPS, the multi multidisciplinary psychedelic research association, but in a different order. Those words, multidisciplinary, <laughs> so whatever. MAPS psychedelics, they they do good work with that. They, um, there's it's been shown that you know ketamine and uh, MDMA are particularly helpful with uh, PTSD. Um, I yeah, guess it comes back down to the intention of why you're taking things, and and that was another thing I got a new looked at through a new lens. But when you talk about everything fading like gold dust in your hands almost like a dream i i kind of wanted to dig a little bit deeper and and find out um because i I heard you mention somewhere that uh you actually you haven't gone through the i don't know standard way of of doing them dmt or something like that what what kind of method do you have or what like how do you go about things is it structured do you have a way of holding on to lessons or wisdom that's come your way um, what's, what's the kind of, how do you do things? Oh, can, how, you remind, have you done them before? can you remind me what I said in terms of, uh, I didn't do something in the standard way. Cause I'm not remembering saying that, but uh, I also may, don't remember anything I say. Yeah. I think it was more, I'm not sure about the standard way, but I think you, you may have been talking about a DMT experience. Maybe it wasn't even you who fucking knows, but <laughs> <laughs> um, you may, might've been talking about a DMT experience and I guess the standard way would be. I'm sorry, lack of a way of better putting it, a uh, better way of putting it, but going to like Peru and sitting with a shaman in the middle of the forest and in the jungle and kind of doing it through the traditional oh, sense. Oh, that way. Yeah. I haven't done it in the official have a shaman ceremony way. That is true. Not that I don't want to ever. It's just I haven't prioritized it because uh, it's half fear and half um, I don't feel I need it right now. Not that if yeah. I were to do it, I wouldn't come out and regret it. It's more like I'm not... I'm not so lost. I, I feel like I do have a, a good purpose compass right now and that I am still integrating lessons from previous experiences. So I don't need to just be one of those people that always like goes, goes, does a ceremony every week and like, are you actually changing or are you just kind of reading more books about it in a different way? And, uh, 
even in the esoteric sense of it, I remember I think the tea fairy was talking about how she thought she was helping herself, but she was accumulating malware onto her into her system, and then uh, she had to eventually do a defrag and get rid of some of those entities because we think that if we encounter entities, it's oh these are helpful entities, but they might just be these programs running and uh, eating up your your RAM, your bandwidth, and um, yeah, it's always yeah. there's always I think we always need to stick to the way we feel is right. Like for me personally, it would be you know having some connecting with whatever that is or whatever's going on or whatever that experience, however you want to kind of call it. Um, and then going away and working on some of the lessons. And I feel like if you don't do that, sometimes you can go uh, double the speed in the opposite direction because you've, you've just been kind of shown all these things and, and you're, you're not reinforcing it. So that can take you down into a dark place. And I feel like by working on these things and getting to another point where you feel like, okay, now's probably another good time where I can check back in to or connect to whatever's going on and then, you know, download some more stuff. Once I've kind of already, you know, gone through the motions of putting in place what I learned last time instead of overloading yourself. Um, for me, that's that's the way I want to do things. But I'm talking about more more about the process. So when you're um, when you've done it before, what was the setting like? Um, just in a living room in, uh, let's see, one time it was a friend's, uh, living room. Another time it was a friend's bedroom. Another time it was my bedroom. Um, uh, not, uh, there's no sexual angle there. I don't know why. I, like you, th you think bedroom, it's like, oh, it was in the bedroom that time. Or the magic no, it's just happens. a room. Yeah. It's just a room with a bed in it. And, uh, uh, an interesting story I've probably told before a bunch of times was that, um, we we did the DMT in the in the bedroom or in the living room. I don't remember which one, but I I blasted off and I forgot who I was temporarily, and all of reality had stopped, and I was observing every single reality in these like, for lack of a better word, orbs that were fractal. And normally there's this cosmic breathing and flow, and that had halted because I had asked it to because I couldn't find my way home and I was trying to remember who I was and how I could get home. And eventually I did remember who I was and I was narrowing it down more and more. And then when it came time to be like, okay, well, did you get here from the bedroom or from the living room? Which, which reality did you come here from? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember which, which one I went to. And eventually I had to decide. I was like, okay, I came through the, the living room. And as I came back down to earth, as I'm waking up, I was I had this feeling that, oh man, I, I came back to the wrong one. It's probably fine. It's probably the same dimension, but I'm pretty sure I came back to this other one and I switched places. I hope this is not a butterfly effect where it's all all different. And do you ever watch that show Sliders from the 90s? I used to love that show with that. I'm like, that's so strange. I had, like in my experience when I felt the, 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 I guess when I felt like the ayahuasca was kicking in, I felt like I was in Sliders. That's so strange. That yeah. So and it's and like that, that episode of stuff, whatever it is. Yeah. There's an episode of sliders where, so the whole point of the show, if you listeners haven't heard it, is this inventor guy played by Jerry McConnell invents a device that, uh, that teleports him to a different dimension. And the, the point of the show is to offer this different social commentary of like, Oh, what if Russia had won the cold war? What would that be like? What if women were the, the dominant sex? What would that society look like? What if uh, people had to die before they reached age of 40? Like all these 
little tropes and you got to see it play out. And then by the end of the episode, they would find their their device, which had either broken every episode or been stolen every episode. What happened? We off? You still there? All right, I think we're back. <laughs> what happened? It just kicked us off? I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, um, yeah, it just kicked us off. Sometimes I feel like we're going too deep into these kinds of conversations that, I don't know, that some other force has just said, all right, guys, I have to cut this out. <laughs> but you were talking I believe about, it. You were talking about sliders and you were saying, the last thing I heard was um, someone has to die. <laughs> oh, uh I don't think I said someone has to die. I think I said every episode, their little teleportation device gets stolen or broken. And then by the end of the episode, they either have retrieved the device or they found a way to fix it, thus jumping to another dimension, thus being able to have a show that's non-sequential uh, and have each episode stand on its own. So did you and, feel like after your experience, this actually happened to you in some way? Or that it was, oh, for or sure. was a possibility? Yeah, for sure. And I don't know the... the it's definitely a possibility. I don't know whether I did pick the right one or wrong one. And it's all made up in a simulation anyway. So at the deepest level, it doesn't matter. But uh, I was comparing it to when uh, Quinn in Sliders, their, their whole the whole point of the story is they're trying to find their way back to the, the real dimension they came from because that part of the device broke on the first one or whatever the story is. And... They finally make it back to San Francisco. Everything seems completely normal. The the fence he grew up with creaks the right way, everything. And they're they're hanging out there for, for like a week. And then he like is just kind of walking. And then he looks over at the Golden Gate Bridge. And it's, it's like this blue color. And he's like, oh, shit. And realizes that uh, it, it wasn't right. But they thought it was right until they saw that the Golden Gate Bridge was not red. It was blue and it's called the azure gate bridge in in that reality so i'm still i'm still kind of suspicious of am i going to see some kind of thing am i in a reality where giraffes aren't real but unicorns are and then if i try to describe a giraffe to someone they're like what the fuck are you talking about how is there a how is there an animal with a giant neck that long and i feel and like if it was something like that you would probably notice but there might be some really kind of slight intricate differences that you know who fucking knows and who cares? Because like it's it's all about kind of just letting go of what we think reality is, anyways, right? Exactly. And that was so long ago, and every every cell in my body since then has already replaced itself. Like you know the way our our body cycles out, and the cell division is happening at every millisecond. And in seven years, you're not even made of the same atoms that you were seven years ago. It's like a company that all the employees leave 
within seven years and it's got new employees, but the company's the same and it's got the same values, give or take. And uh, yeah, so I'm not even that physical person anymore since then. I've already cycled out all those anyway. So you're in, you're in your... You're in your bedroom where the magic happens, or you're in the living room, and what you you smoke the DMT, and then how do you is that right? And how do you yeah um, you, how do you take uh, the lessons away from that? Oh, the lessons are are just there. You don't even have to pay attention or take notes. It's it's immediately downloaded into you. Everything everything that was not the lesson is revealed as uh, having been a distortion or a lie to yourself or whatever thing. Uh, but isn't I the smoke can't... like an intense kind of an experience where this is all I've heard, actually, I've never actually smoked it, but I've heard that it just, it just hits you like a freight train. And then uh, I think there's ways to extend it. Like you can get it up to like 12 minutes or something if you do certain things, but um, doesn't it just like hit you? And then how do you take any anything away from that? Or do you just kind of trust that it's kind of washing over you in a good way? Well, it hits you in a way that so it was with uh, we've talked about it before on his podcast or my podcast, but uh, Shane Moss, who um, is an excellent trip sitter, and when you're smoking the DMT out of the the um, bong or the water pipe or whatever they call it, the the third hit you your heart starts to really like beat very strongly rapidly and that's your uh, adrenaline kicking in and it's kind of like scary if you're not used to it but if you do enough reading you realize you're fine it's not a danger and you you barely have the the wherewithal to to pick up the the pipe and light it again and do that big inhale and hold it because your whole body is is vibrating everything is about to take off but you need that one little last hit to break orbit otherwise you don't break through you just kind of feel weird and then it dissipates and then you don't actually get what it's what it's for and you're you're already starting to look like i looked holographic and hd and very old also like my hands were very like wrinkled, but not in a way that I was about to die. Like the way I was a like very ancient kind of person with this glowing writing on me that meant something almost like the tattoos of all my lifetimes or something. So it's like you kind of see it before you take off. And then on that fourth one, you, you just, you just blast off. It's just, that's just what happens. You're, you're already however many light years away and it, it goes up like Charlie uh, Willy Wonka's magic elevator or whatever it just completely skyrockets you there and it lasted about 20 minutes that first time it felt like I don't know how long time just wasn't even a thing anymore like could have been I don't want to go as far as be like oh I was there for a thousand years because time really isn't measured unless you have change there has to be a bunch of change happening for there to be time experience no change you don't really uh, even if you're counting the minutes, that counts as as change. But with no no change, you can't really say how much time there was. Well, even but like it's... an infinite amount of change, you still wouldn't be able to say it. Yeah, and the the um the the way we live now is very much like on a wheel. Like we're feeling time move all the time. You cannot beat the sunset and sunrise. Even if you fly around the Earth, eventually you're going to run out of fuel and get tired. And by then, it's the it's a different cycle anyway. The Earth has moved its position. The sun has moved. We have this thing in our head where we think of the solar system as the sun at the center and then we're going around it and we're one big happy family. But the sun is spiraling around the galaxy. The galaxy is moving. Everything is moving and spinning and we don't even know how far that goes. Like the whole universe could be spinning. The whole thing the universe is within is spinning and moving outward. So there's just – there's all that going on. 
and uh yeah you blast off you're you're there and when you when you are there it feels like you've stepped out of the motion you're no longer on the ferris wheel you're standing outside of this thing that's always moving and you can always get back into it you can go to any time period you want any future any past any close to present thing and uh yeah it's all about when you are forced back in or decide to go back in and then when we did it again that same week it only lasted about 12 minutes and then the next time lasted eight and the 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 eight minute one i got this feeling from those entities that are there that it was very much like oh it's you again well didn't you didn't you kind of already get it like you didn't you didn't get the thing already no no we're just kidding you we know that you you got the thing already you can still hang out here if you want but uh yeah and it was very much that that kind of feeling and i've heard uh, of that before from somewhere uh, from someone the the last part of like yeah, mate, like you've already, you've already been here and we've already kind of shown you what we have to show you. You can hang out for a bit, but, and then you kind of get the feeling like, oh, I'm assuming you would that it's kind of like, okay, cool. Like I might just work on this for a bit. Yeah, that's, that's how I feel. I don't really, I'm not trying to escape anything. The more I live, the more I see that that's not the answer. You can't really, you can't just uh, go and, you know, keep learning more. I mean, we already touched on that i guess like you can get into the trap of over learning over over researching without actually changing your behavior and heading into the direction that scares you and that's the whole the whole thing it, it all boils down to that dichotomy are you walking towards that fear or are you running away from it and if you're running away from it you're taking it with you and if you walk towards it you're you're dissolving it you're shedding light on it and we know that darkness is not a is not a, a fundamental quality. Darkness is lack of light. So anything we perceive as, oh, that's dark. It's, oh, because you haven't shed light on it yet. And we see that with the, the Hubble telescope that takes the photo of the tiny, tiny spot of darkness in the sky. And we see that it's filled with galaxies and shit. And so uh, there's no there's no real darkness out there. It's just kind of, uh, you know, absence of light that has not been shined on it. And light mm. is this, you know, permanent thing that we're we're made of, infinitely powerful. Yay, crystals, yoga. <laughs> Little yay in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've, I'm. This is like one of the most fascinating chats I've ever had, Raman. I'm not just saying that, but I really. Don't oh, mean. thank you. But I think it's because partly because it it just happens so organically, and I think because of the way I stumbled upon you and my intu- intuition said to get in touch, and it's been really good. And I'm keen to have another chat. I don't know oh, if yeah, you're keen. Um, I've actually got another podcast in like 15 minutes though, and my laptop's on 14%, and I think this memory card's getting pretty full as well. So um, would that be cool if we kind of, I don't know, had a chat some other time? Yeah, why not? You should come on my show. We'll do a, uh, we'll do another one. Yeah, that sounds good. I don't. I'll leave that um, kind of up to you in regards to time, because like I said, I'm here for another like six weeks, and I've got all the time in the world, but. Yeah, sorry to just cut things off because I'm really enjoying this. It's just that I did make a commitment to this lady and I kind of rescheduled with her as well. And Oh, totally, man. We did what? We did more than an hour, right? That we did a good job for sure. And it was fascinating. And I'm sorry, I, didn't, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into your book, Incarnation. And I wanted to talk about more of your stuff just as a promotional means. Um, so Thank what, you. if you like, I can cut out this, what I'm saying right now. And No, leave it in, or, leave it in. Or not. Know. Okay, we'll leave it. But um, do you want to tell us a little bit about 
that stuff kind of um, briefly, uh, incarnation and because you do books, you've got a podcast and you've got artwork that's just in, incredible. Love your artwork. I'm sure you've heard it a million you. times because it's actually like they're real insights about what we're really thinking and feeling like what you mentioned earlier, but it's put in the form of this kind of trippy, uh, uh, playful art. I don't want to categorize it, but that's how I, that's what I get from it. And, um, yeah. And you do these cartoons that are really cool as well, which I was thinking about maybe even playing the audio from one of those in the middle of this episode, but we'll see how we go. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about your stuff and how people can find out more, a little bit about your new book incarnation as well? Sure. So it's all of it's on my website. Uh, you can go to rainbowbrainskull.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, Twitter. I post a lot of uh, drawings, art pieces, comics, whatever you want to call them. Some of them are standalone books. Some of them are, uh, some of the books are compilations of like the year's worth of drawings. There's one called Cave Paintings for Future People that's about 380 different uh, pieces in it. There's another one called Infinite Elephants. It's a nice little hardcover book uh, with about 200 things in it. Uh, Incarnation is a new mini book that came out. It's maybe only like 26 pages or something like that. And it uh, it's based on uh, an Instagram series I did uh, that had about 10 images in it that I expanded upon and uh, that one, the the general feel of that one is, uh, you know, I'm going to, uh, if I don't figure it all out in this incarnation, I will in the next one, because what else am I going to do? Like, there's literally nothing else to do than, than be a nothing, which is no experience whatsoever, or be incarnated and be an individual, which is... Uh, limited than uh, than what the whole larger consciousness infinite whatever god thing you want to call it like that which has no limits does not know what it's like to be me a thing with limits or be a thing like you which is why it split off into these individuated units of consciousness to grow and uh so it's about that and i sell various you know books art prints shirts uh i don't have a job i have avoided honest work for the last six years or so and have made my living um, doing commissions for other people, working on other people's album art or posters or whatever thing or shirts for their band, little things like that, animated music videos or documentary. So half is that work and then the other half is the stuff I sell through my site, which is uh, like, I mean... It's tough to say if anything is ethical, but I try to have it as ethical as I can, and I'm not using sweatshops. It's all good paid American labor on the finest uh, finest materials and no, no human suffering involved. But I mean, uh, to be honest, I haven't traced it that far. Like, do I know for sure that the cotton that has been taken to make those shirts, like, do, was there no blood spilled at all in, in some way? Was, was it a result of some military conflict somewhere? I hope not. I've done the research and it seems like everything I've done is, is fine. But, um, yeah, so I sell the stuff. If any of the things look interesting to you listeners, um, check it out. Maybe I should give you a discount code. Do I have any discount codes going on right now? When does this come out? Before. Uh, this is coming out. I don't even know, to be honest, no. I'm, I'm relaunching the show and I'm just kind of, I'm just getting as many episodes as I can and talking to as good. many people as I can. And I've got no fucking idea when this is coming out, but uh, well, if no you could give me a promo code, code this will no, be the no first discount. one on the show. Give us one. Give us a discount. Give us like, give us like 2% off or something. 
Okay, two percent off with with code uh, twofer. Twofer. That sounds pretty. And good. depending depending on how you spell it, you get different levels of discount. Nice, nice. Man, I got to remind myself to have that on there. <laughs> and you also do the comedy thing, right? Yeah, I haven't been doing it as much, and I've met a lot of uh, a lot of stand up comedian friends that are that are kind of stepping away from it as far as like we're not we're not geared towards playing hilarities and uh you know go bananas in cincinnati and the laugh stop we're not trying to like make our living as a road comic anymore it's like we're happy this isn't everyone this is like my circle of of weirdos are are more happy like just doing the the shorter weird sets around la that's like scratching the itch enough you don't have to go be on the road for three months and doing this hour you're working on so just working on whatever stuff here at the time getting strange with it um i mean and most of the energy is going into the the art and the podcast which podcasts are taking over stand up as a as a medium generally like there's so many people that love one person's podcast but they're not going to go out and watch them do stand up cuz i don't know a lot of people get tired of of stand up and sitting and listening to someone for for an hour with with the joke structure but i i might I might change my mind in in two years or something and be like, oh, now I'm all about the stand up again, and I'm I'm going on the road for six months, and that's all I want to do is just have the tightest best hour in the whole world. But right now, it's it's like no, I'd rather just kind of stay in town and be home and uh, be healthy and work on the podcast and the art and build build my little my little presence, my little pirate ship uh, like that. But I really do love the the people who are still hitting the road really hard stand up wise, and um, I, I think there's a it's all about being true to what what is calling to you right then. Don't just do that behavior because you told yourself you would in the past, and you think that's your identity. Your identity can always change. Yeah, it's a it's a constant flow, constant game of change, and just kind of um, accepting or going whichever direction kind of pulls you at that time. Yeah. So, in other words, a lot of my jokes are from like 2015. Yeah, but they're, they're old jokes. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do have an hour of of stand up comedy that I have yet to. Uh, I have one album out called "You Were Good Too," and I have another hour that's completely different, but I haven't recorded yet. And before recording that, I need to go on the road a little bit and tighten it up and shed some of the the fat on it because sometimes it's like you you've got some filler in there and. I don't know. It's got to be all all good. No one has time for that bullshit be, anymore. Got to be chiseled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So rainbowbrainscale.com. Good you stuff. You got it. Fresh stuff. Cool. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I feel like we started this chat with a clap. Probably a good way to end it. What do you think? Yeah. All right. On the four. All right. One, two, three. Hope you enjoyed this app. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. And stay tuned for plenty of good stuff coming your way. If you want any information about ramen or about any things we've spoken about today, there'll be links on the show notes section of goodpeopleeffect.com. And next week's guest is Lisa DeLay. Lisa is the host of the Spark My Muse podcast. And we discuss you know, in our interior lives and how to deepen the connections to the ones around us. It's a very beautiful chat and I can't wait to share it with you guys. So until then... Be well, remember the smile, and give someone you love a hug.